The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I want to get into the Word this morning. I'm excited to get into the Word. Always excited to get into the Word. Uh, But I want to... uh, 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 pause before we do that and express my gratitude once again uh, for everyone's participation in uh, a pastor appreciation uh, recently, uh, several weeks back, and uh, want to again say thank you for that. Uh, your kindness really was a blessing to me and, uh, and my family, and obviously uh, we're very uh, glad and excited to be here and be a part of one another's lives as, as God does great things here. Uh, I want to get into the word And as we do that, I want to do so with a little anticipation for some great things. You know, when we were blessing the kids earlier, the the words were kind of hard to to come by because it's the kind of thing that uh, is is a very adult issue most of the time. And and when you try to simplify things, sometimes it can get challenging. And I've been told before, if you can't teach it to children, then you really can't teach it. You know, like you need to go back to the drawing board and make sure you know what it is that you're imparting. But this morning, that was an interesting thing to minister to the kids because I, I think it's something that is uh, an issue for all ages. But I see it increasing uh, uh, as uh, the years go by here. I'm seeing it becoming an increasing problem uh, among all people, especially adults, and that's mental health, mental stability. So I want to talk about mental health, what the Bible says about some things there. And, and what God is, is doing in our lives to see to it that our thoughts are healthy. Uh, it, it's really something that is a, a, a big deal, and I want to make sure that we, uh, we see that in the Word and prioritize it as such. So here's a few things we're going to find as we get into the Word. Uh, if you want to jot these down, you can. They're things to, to look forward to. One, why your thinking is important. Why your thinking is important. The way you think is really important. Uh, it's not something that, that needs to just be taken lightly. It's a priority issue, and it's, it's important to monitor and to, to keep tabs on our thought life for the purpose of uh, making sure and ensuring that it's healthy. I mean, you get in your car, you drive your car, your car goes because you use it so often, it just becomes kind of second nature. You don't really think about it, but every now and then a little light comes on on the dash and says, you know, hey, buddy, you better check this out, right? And, and those things just happen. So it's important to, to keep an eye on things and make sure that everything is running properly in order to ensure uh, safety and, and well-being. And your mental health is, is no different than anything else in that manner. So another thing that we're going to find is what the enemy of mental health is. Now, sometimes we offer these things as absolutes, right? Like the enemy of mental health. Well, I'm sure there are a number of, of challenges and a number of enemies to, to thinking uh, properly and thinking rightly, but there's something specific in the scripture that makes thinking right very difficult if it's a part of our life, and we need to understand what that is so that we can address it rightly. And then a, a third thing that we're going to find as we get into the word is uh, what we need to be hanging on to, what we need to, to, to get hung up on, what we need to cling to, uh, have you ever met someone and just thought, man, they're hung up on that thing? You know, like that's the topic of interest. That's all they talk about. I'm around some people where all they'll talk is uh, politics. I'm around some people. My wife is smiling. Am I that person? Is that why? 
Okay, all right, well, maybe I'm hung up on that. But you can be around someone, and it kind of becomes their thing. It's like what they talk about all the time, what they think about all the time. Well, there's something in the Bible that we're called to really get hung up on, and for good reason, and we'll see what that is in the Scripture. So what I want to do is just jump right in. I mentioned before we're going to find, you know, why our thinking is so important. And I want to give you a passage of Scripture that we'll open with. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Proverbs Uh, Proverbs 23, I want to look at verse 7. If you want to jot it down for your notes, Proverbs 23, verse 7. Now, depending on what translation you carry or what you're reading or or what you're looking at, the the words may vary slightly, but I want to offer this to you from Proverbs 23, 7. It, It reads like this, For as a person thinks within himself, so he is. Well, I mean, scratch any gender-specific element of that. I mean, just as a person thinks within themselves, that's how that person is. Now, you can read that passage of Scripture, and, and it can just kind of sound like, you know, good advice for, for being careful how you think, or you can realize this is a priority one issue. I mean, my thought life is going to affect my identity. I mean, this is kind of a, a, a big deal. It, it should make our thought life become a, a, a really high priority to keep clean, to keep healthy, to make sure that it's squared away and right. <clears throat> it's also important to make sure that your thought life is accurate uh, so that we don't create uh, illusions of ourselves in our thought life and then we're, we're walking around kind of, you know, living a lie, so to speak. I mean, having a good check on reality is important. I can tell you for me personally, there's been no greater reality check than getting married. I mean, I, you, you go into to a relationship and, and you're you're perfect and you're the best thing that ever happened to the world and all of a sudden you have all of your flaws exposed and you begin to realize that you've kind of been living in an illusion, you know. Well, marriage is a real extreme uh, uh, catalyst for that kind of awareness. Really, relationships are a catalyst for that kind of awareness. It's the, one of the reasons why we're called to function as a body so that there can be the accountability of a body and we can help one another not live in a, a state of... of Uh, delusional thinking. But here in this uh, passage of scripture, we see that our thinking is so important that it affects our identity. I want to give an example from the scripture. We've given it before in other messages regarding other things, but you can find a great example of this in the book of Numbers. Uh, The book of Numbers, chapter 13, and around verse 33, you'll see a a great example of, of thought life affecting identity. So I want to give you kind of a paraphrase of this passage from Numbers. Now, in Numbers, you see someone who's facing a a great challenge. It's not just someone. It's it's a group of people. So this group is facing a challenge, and in this challenge, they face an obstacle. And the obstacle is viewed as being outrageous. It's viewed as being large. It's it's viewed as being uh, uh, undefeatable. And, And so the statement is made, we became like bugs in our own eyes. And so we became like bugs in the eyes of our enemies. I mean, it's kind of an odd thing to say, but when you think about it, basically what's being revealed is how you think about yourself is how your enemy will think about you. You will set your identity. So as believers, it starts to make sense to me why, even as a blood-bought believer, Satan can never undo the cross. Why does it seem like he spends his time whispering in my ear negative things about me in my life? Why is it that he wastes his time trying to convince me of failures and and disappointing things and and 
the word that's used in the Bible is a word that translates worthlessness. The word is Belial. Why does he do that except to try to affect my thinking and then therefore affect my identity? When we see that our thought life is, is necessary to be healthy and pure and strong in order for our identity to be healthy and pure and strong, it begins to make sense why our thought life is such an important battlefield. How we view ourselves is how we will be viewed. So there's some things that God is offering to protect us from, from this belial or this worthlessness, this thinking that could be referred to as stinking thinking. And you'll see it throughout the scripture. It's a real priority issue with God. A great example of seeing what God has called us to comes from the book of Romans. If you have your Bibles there, I would encourage you to go to Romans chapter 12. We're going to look at verse 2. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, we're, we're being revealed a, a, a thing that is a, a top issue in our life. A thing is being revealed to us that needs to take place in order for our lives to, to be the victorious lives that they have been called to be. We'll see that in Romans 12 verse 2 when it reads like this. First of all, it's a call to not be like the world. It opens with, don't be conformed to this world, but rather be transformed. And now here's how. By the renewing of your mind. Now here's the results of having your mind renewed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. So when we look at this passage of scripture, there's a few things that are, are really important to note. One, we have a call on our lives to not be like the world. I mean... The world being the, the spirit of the age, the, the carnality that exists, that leans solely on the, the, the knowledge or the power or the wisdom of men alone and leaves no room for the effects of or the presence of the authority of Jesus Christ and the power of the kingdom of heaven. We're not meant to be conformed to the world, but rather we're meant to be transformed. Now that tells me something. If I don't undergo this transformation, then I'm in danger of doing things like the world does it. And that happens sometimes in my life. I find that there are things in my life that, that don't really look different than the way the world handles it, and I know that there's a need for some sort of transformation. That word transform there is a really awesome word. There, there's an area in the scripture where something really phenomenal happens in the life of Jesus Christ. It's recorded in the scripture, and I remember as a young believer just thinking, wow, that's weird. You ever read something in the Bible and think that? wow, that's weird. And you, you're not really sure why it's in there, but you know that needs to be in there. I mean, God's pretty intentional. He's not just kind of, well, let's just kind of throw it all out there and, and we'll see what makes sense and what has purpose and what doesn't. But it's very intentional. And this passage of scripture is a place where Jesus is what the Bible refers to as being transfigured. Now, it happens in front of his disciples as he's standing, he's speaking to, to Moses and the prophet, and he becomes white like glowing white, uh, uh, radiant white. And it's one of those things that you just look at and you think like, I don't really understand why that happened or, or what happened there, but obviously it was important enough to make the scripture. Well, what's really funny is the same word for transfigure that takes place when Jesus is, is transfigured is the same word that's here for transformed. We're meant to undergo a transfiguration or a transformation 
in our thinking, in our minds. Our minds are meant to be renewed, meaning the way that we used to think is no longer there, and a new way of thinking is imparted. And it's this that makes us different from the rest of the world, that and other things that come in Jesus. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that you might prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Well, now I'm in a position where I need to know what is God's will for my life? What is God's plan for my life so that I can prove it with my renewed thinking, so that I can think different and so that I can understand that which God is doing in my life? I want to give you a passage of scripture that I lean on a lot, and I want to offer it to you so that you know, you might want to lean on it too. But when I consider God's will for my life, we're all different. I mean, if I were to tell you God's ultimate plan for my life, you know, what he calls me to do and who he calls me to be engaged with and how he calls me to engage with those people, it's going to be different than your life because you're a different person. But there are a number of things that we all have in common that, that is God's plan for, for all of our lives. And this is one of those passages of scripture that contains that. That which God is doing in the life of every person, every believer. I'll give you this passage of scripture from the psalm, Psalm 50, verse 15. Sometimes I remind myself of this psalm in order to, to remain encouraged because I need to be reminded what God is doing in my life. Psalm 50, verse 15, it reads like this. Call upon me in the day of trouble. Now this is God speaking and he's speaking to you. Call upon me in the day of trouble and I shall rescue you, and you will worship me. I will rescue you, and you will worship me. Call upon me when you're in trouble. I will rescue you, and you will worship me. So if I take this passage of Scripture and simply apply it as, as God's plan for my life, what I realize is the will of God is to rescue me. If I'm facing difficulty or trial or tribulation, whatever word you want to use, whether it be a biblical word or a cultural word, when you're dealing with problems and challenges, when you're facing issues, no matter what it is, God's plan for you is to rescue, to be involved and to engage in a manner that brings about a, a victory or a deliverance of some kind that brings him honor and brings him glory. Now, it's understanding this, this being the will of God, that can have a real impact on my thinking. I mean, have you ever been involved in a situation and found yourself thinking hopeless thoughts? I mean, I think everybody's been in, in scenarios and situations like that, whether they be relational, whether they be financial, whether they be uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, any kind of, of circumstance where there could be success or failure. It's very easy to be put in a position where the negative is prevailing to the point that our thoughts are affected and our thoughts are going ever so dark as we begin to engage in that situation. That's a real challenge. Now, for us, we've been equipped with this calling, this calling to have our minds renewed, to focus on the will of God and let God's plan have an effect on our thoughts, to be in the midst of that troubling situation, be able to embrace the truth that God is my deliverer and allow that truth to prevail in our thinking and therefore prevail in our results. I mean, here's a few passages of Scripture that are really worth hanging on to. One is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but rather God has given us power, love, and soundness of mind. 
Another passage of scripture where I can always remind myself what the will of God is. It's not God's will for me to be afraid, whether it's God's will for me to have power in this situation. It's God's will for me, God's will for me, excuse me, to, uh, to have love in this situation. It's God's will for me to have soundness of mind in this situation. What a wonderful thing to include in that soundness of mind. I mean, it ought to show you the priority of good thinking uh, that the kingdom of heaven holds for us. I mean, it's very easy for believers, especially in, in charismatic circles, to see that the power of God is a good thing and a priority. I mean, it's, it's, we sing about it and we pursue it in our prayers and we release it in our ministry to one another. The power of God, it becomes a, a real focus. The love of God, well, you can see that in Christianity. There's a, a real focus, a, a priority message. And, and we sing of the love of God and, and we minister the love of God one to another. And then in this, this same very short list that includes power and love is mental health, sound mind. That really stands out to me as a, a really important feature that, that is easily overlooked as being a Christian attribute, something that God's interested in, something that he's, he's actively playing a part in bringing into our lives. Here's another passage of scripture for you from uh, the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 2.16. Um, I'm giving you a, a, a piece of the scripture here. It just says, we have the mind of Christ. What an interesting thing for God to bring into your life. I mean, as we attempt to, to fulfill a great commission and be evangelistic, we, we produce you know, materials that involve you know, praying prayers of repentance and receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior. And, and those are all really wonderful and foundational things. None of those things should be scrapped, but those things in and of themselves are not a complete picture of what God is interested in in any person's life. I mean, the freedom and the deliverance is the beginning, the beginning of wonderful things. The Bible calls them new things. Old things pass away and new things come. And among those new things is the mind of Christ. Stable thinking. Solid mental health. It's pretty amazing to see the mind of Christ at work. I mean, the mind of Christ is, is present in, in all of the, the history that we see in the Gospels. A recording of his life will show us his mentality. And when we see his mentality in the different examples and the recordings of real true events that took place, it's a pretty amazing thing. Here's just an example. Being on a, a boat with very able, you know, seafaring men. And they're all panicked and screaming, we're going to die. This storm is so bad, we're not going to make it. Man, they'd been on that water a lot before. If anybody knew if they were going to make it or not, it'd be those guys. And yet he can be asleep, and when he's awakened, he doesn't join in their panic, but rather he brings about calm solution. I want that mind. That's the mind I want. That doesn't just go with the flow of panic. The chicken little, the sky is falling, we're all going to die, it's all over. We hope you have your arrangements made because this is the end. But to be tossed in the middle of that and just say, hey guys, calm down. There's a solution here. To be able to be tossed into the midst of chaos, stuff that's not even your fault or, or anything like that, but to be able to stand in a position of responsibility and duty and to walk with the authority and the power that we've been equipped to walk in in the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit and to bring about solution. That's the mind I want. Now on occasion, you know, maybe I've had a little too much caffeine or maybe I didn't get enough sleep last night. Or I don't walk in that mind. 
but other things prevail and, and the, the mentality is not so solutions oriented and the mentality is not so victorious and all of a sudden you're, you're drawn into that thinking that is not productive. And I've never had a scenario where that was embraced that ended well. But for us, we are called to bring about something different, something different than the world provides, which is collective panic. We're called to bring about calm solution, supernatural solution that transcends the panic of the age. And we're called to do that by having the mentality that is the catalyst for that solution to be released, the mind of Christ. So I want to offer this to you. I told you we were going to find the enemy of mental health. The enemy of mental health. Now, it's a risky thing to offer something as an absolute like that. I'm sure there are a number of things that wage war against mental health. Uh, I'm sure some of them are biological, some of them are circumstantial, uh, some of them are, are spiritual. There's probably a, a long list. But I want to offer this to you as a passage of Scripture that, that can teach us and lead us out of uh, a dysfunction and into stability as it concerns our thinking. So I'll give this passage of Scripture to you. If you have your Bibles, you can go there. It's from the book of James. We'll look at James chapter 1. James chapter 1. James chapter 1, I want to begin reading in verse 2. We're going to read several passages here, so probably 2 through maybe verse 8, something along those lines. Beginning in verse 2, consider it all joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its, its perfect result, so that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. It goes on to say that if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one that doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. That man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being double-minded and unstable in all of his ways. I want to stop there for a second. I mean, there's a lot of really wonderful and rich promises in that passage of Scripture. The promise that God's there to provide wisdom and direction when we don't know what to do. Uh, the, the promise that we can have joy in the midst of problems, you know, because God is at work in those problems and, and our faith is being built up and, and put to work so that we can be perfected. Perfected uh, from a biblical definition would mean, you know, being free from or, or purged of, of fear and anxiety, but being able to stand firm in faith. And we get to this, this bottom part here as we were reading, and that's really where I want to focus, the idea of, of one being double-minded. Uh, double-minded is an interesting thing to think about and consider. I mean, when I think about mental health and, and mental stability, and stability is a really good word, I think, when I think about these things, I, I consider my own life and where I've seen mental health be celebrated and where I've seen it be lacking. And I ask myself, what's the difference? I mean, when I've seen mental health and, and stable thinking celebrated, it seems to be very consistent. Is that Jesus calling? Oh, is that going to go forever until Jesus comes back? Is it? It's, I love technology. At least it's tasteful, right? 
I've heard some ringtones that are not tasteful. I was carrying a guy's phone for him because we work outside in the dirt, you know. And then I'm standing in line at, at, at a, a hardware store. And as I'm standing in line at a hardware store, when you stand in line at a hardware store, whether you realize it or not, as a man, you try to look as cool as you can. You know? You want to look like you know what you're doing. You don't want to look like you're, you know, you're there because you don't have any solutions. You're, you're the man. And I'm standing in line there, and I'm looking cool like I'm trying to, and you know, waiting for my turn to check out with my construction materials. And the guy's phone that I'm carrying starts to vibrate. And then I hear, ooh, the soul of a woman. Ooh, the soul of a woman. Yeah, I'm talking about the soul of a woman. So strong, so sweet. It's traumatizing. So back to mental health, right? Jeez, what a ringtone. I get to this and I start to ask myself, hey, when I've done things well, when there's been really solid, you know, mental health at work, what does that look like? And when mental health has been lacking, what does that look like? And I think double-minded is a, a really great word that the Bible uses. Because when I've functioned with, with strong mental health, there's been conviction in decisions and choices. Conviction is a powerful thing. It's like, this is what we're doing. This is where we're going. This is why we're doing it. This is why we're going there. It's interesting to me that, that having your mind renewed and walking in mental health equips us, remember what Romans says, so that you can prove what the will of God is? Well, because you're walking in conviction. We're doing this for this reason. And all the circumstances may be around us telling us, well, you're wasting your time. You're going to fail. It's not going to work. But you know why you're doing it, so you're doing it. You're doing it. It's the reason why men like Noah can build the ark when it's never rained before. Right? That same kind of drive and conviction is still at work and available to us today to do great things for God. Because we're doing it on purpose. We're doing it intentionally. We're moving in the direction that he calls us to move in. And we're doing it because he's called us to do that. The soul of a woman. Woo! Golly. But when I've not operated in uh, uh, mental health, when that's been absent or it's been challenged, <clears throat> conviction has, has maybe been present in one moment and absent the next. Present, absent. Present, absent. It's a roller coaster. I'm all in, but... I don't know, I'm all in, and then I don't think it's going to work. And, and that is really where you have this situation that if it were introduced into anything else, whether maybe a relationship or something like that, we would define it as abusive. I mean, what if you were in a relationship and, and one day everything's good and I love you, and the next day there's, there's verbal abuse? We would call that an abusive relationship. It would be an, a roller coaster of up and down. Well, without mental stability, we're at risk of that happening in our minds with our thought life. You know, the roller coaster is ever-present, and Satan stands there wanting to punch your ticket and put you on it, highs and lows, ups and downs. And what God has brought into our lives through Jesus is, is consistency, stability, to work in, in our minds, to renew our minds, to introduce the mind of Christ so that our thoughts will be stable and we can be consistent. 
there's something that, that needs to take place for that consistency to prevail. And I, I want to give you a, a, an example of, from the Scripture. And the example from the Scripture, and you can look at it in, in your own time. We've, we've shared this example in greater detail in other messages before, but it's a really great example for this one. It would come from Daniel chapter 3. So the, the, the history here is of three men, uh, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, if you're of a, a certain generation, it might be Rakshak and Benny for you, you know. But these guys were, were in a position where, where mental health was absolutely challenged. In fact, their lives were on the line. And what's really amazing is when you, when you see or you hear stability released in someone's life or, or through someone's life, it's inspirational, it's heroic. Now, these guys are faced with a situation where, where if they choose one way of compromise, they'll be allowed to live, but they'll be allowed to live a compromised life. If they choose the, uh, the uncompromised direction, it, it could cost them everything. And it's really worth reading and, and reading for the sake of the history and the inspiration. But as they're facing this challenge, they say something, and it's a really powerful thing. I mean, you, when you look at it and you read it, you realize that's what conviction sounds like. That's what mental health sounds like. So they're put in this position. They're told to bow down to an idol. If they don't bow down to an idol, they'll, they'll die. And the method of execution is being thrown into the fire. Not, not a very pretty sight. They, they refuse to bow down to the idol because they know that they have a, a call to only worship God. And so they're told, well, then you're going to be executed and we're going to throw you in the furnace. The, the story is, is incredible when you see the details. The, there's, there's anger and rage and the furnace is, is heated up and it's heated hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter. And, and as they're being faced with this gruesome death, they're given the opportunity one more time to compromise. You want to get your ticket punched for the roller coaster? You know, the ups and downs, the highs, the lows, or do you want to live consistent? And they say something that is the, the, the embodiment of consistency verbally. The, the statement is made to them that they can choose to bow down or they could choose to go into the fire. The statement is made that God will not save them, and they respond with this. Now remember Psalm 50, verse 15, call upon me in your day of trouble and I will rescue you. They say this to the king, the one who has the authority to throw him in the fire or withhold them from it. They say, oh great king, God can deliver us, but even if he does not, let it be known to you that we're not going to serve your God or worship the image that you have created. I want to tell you, you just heard the sound of mental health, the sound of conviction. And if I were to, to sum it up in, in, into its base form, I think I could sum it to, to two words. I, I could get it down to two words is probably a better way to say that. And those two words are even if. What powerful words, even if. Even if communicates something. I mean, it communicates that they're in this situation, but the decision was made long ago. I don't make my decisions based on the chaos of current circumstances. If I make my decisions based on the chaos of current circumstances, then I'm always being led by the chaos of current circumstances. 
And it is the wind and the waves that define my life and not the call to get out and walk on the water. For you and for me, our decisions need to be made beforehand. It's one of the reasons why it's so important for us to impart morality and and, and righteous things into our children. I want my sons to know their answer long before they face temptation. And it's important for every person, every believer, to be prepared to know what your response will be before you're ever in the position to be compromised or else the chaos of the situation is in the driver's seat. These men had made their mind up long before what they were going to do. And then their answer, even if, even if God doesn't deliver, we're not going to bow down. We are an even if people living in a what if culture. God's called us to be even if people. But the world around us is a what if culture. What if it falls apart? What if it fails? What if you run out of money? What if she leaves you? What if he leaves you? What if your children do this? What, and it's to introduce instability and panic. But for us, we're founded on the rock that is Jesus Christ. And our mentality leaves no room for what if. Because it is built upon even if. Even if the world falls apart, Jesus is still on his throne. Even if the whole government collapses, the blood of Jesus still prevails. Even if I'm forced to lay down my life or, or, for, for the, the faith that I have, I'll rise again. Even if, as you and I live out our lives with the stability of our, the mind of Christ and the renewal of our mind being manifest, we are being equipped to be an even if people walking in the midst of a what if culture. As we look to be stable mentally, the work is something that takes place not academically in the brain, but it takes place supernaturally by the Spirit of God in the heart. I want to give you a few passages of Scripture. We're very close to being finished here. But I think these last few passages of Scripture are really worth paying close attention to because this is really where the rubber meets the road. I'll give you a passage of Scripture from James. James 4, I want to look at verses 6 through 8. As you get to James 4, beginning in verse 6, you see God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and the devil will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And then I want you to pay close attention to this next line, this last line that I want to read here. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. I see two instructions to two people groups here. To, to stop doing sinful things, to, to take your hands off of sinful things if sinful things are your issue. But then I see here that if, if double-mindedness is my issue, that the work that needs to take place needs to take place in my heart. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. You know, I, I've read that passage of Scripture in the midst of dealing with unstable thinking, when I've been on the roller coaster, and I've realized that that passage of Scripture is no accident. That when my thought life struggles, and I'm having highs and lows and highs and lows, things have strayed in my heart. And it's important to bring things back to their rightful place, whether it be the casting down of of idolatry or misplaced priorities or possibly the introduction of something unethical or immoral that shouldn't be there but has crept its way in and needs to be evaluated and, and, and evicted. 
but that the work of, of God in my heart is affecting the stability of my mind. I want to give you another passage of Scripture here that would bear witness to the same thing. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 5. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 5 reads like this. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the stability of Jesus Christ. That this stability is the result of God at work in our hearts. If mental health becomes a mental exercise for me, it's nothing more than academic. If mental health becomes the result of God's work in my heart, it becomes a lifestyle. I don't just become someone that can use good self-control in chaotic situations and circumstances, a well-disciplined person that is still subject to snapping should the pressures get intense enough. I become a new creature whose heart is equipped with the stability of knowing that God is real and that he's our deliverer, and it allows me to enter to any circumstance or any situation and function with stable thinking. It's what would make me an even-if man in a what-if culture. I want to give you this passage of scripture to close because I promised that we would. It was what we need to, to cling to, what we need to hang on to. I want to offer it to you in this package uh, now that we've come this far, and it's what we need in order to stay healthy mentally, what we need in order to, to maintain mental health. And it comes from Philippians chapter 4. I want to read verses 4 through 8. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. And let your gentle spirit be made known before all men that God is near. And be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your heart and your mind in Jesus Christ. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence in it, anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Focus on these things. That passage of Scripture there is filled with a lot of, of wonderful and, and rich content. I mean, the idea that, that mental health and freedom from anxiety is the result of offering my cares and concerns to God in prayer and remaining grateful, keeping a, a grateful heart. Thanksgiving is a big part of that. But I also see there in verse 8 that a big part of that is being careful what I focus on. I mean, if there's anything honorable, right, pure, lovely, of good repute, excellent, worthy of praise, focus on that. Well, that is, is one way of looking at it, but I think it's probably easier to say who, because that sounds like Jesus to me. If somebody said, hey, Preston, could you describe Jesus? I think this would be a, a safe description. Uh, well, he's true, he's honorable, he's right, he's pure, he's lovely, of good repute, he's excellent, and he's worthy of praise. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Keep your mind and your heart focused on Jesus. I think the key to mental health and the key to stability is being focused on and attentive to the one who never changes. Because if he never changes and we focus on him and our thoughts are founded upon him, then our thoughts in like manner will remain consistent. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning.
It's a lot of content and a lot of turn here and look at this verse and read that. And I really enjoy the scripture. I enjoy putting together a message and, and when you can really feel that the, the Holy Spirit's involved and things are being connected and released, I think that's really a, a fantastic thing. But it really doesn't mean anything or do anything unless the Spirit of God activates those words in our lives. And I say our lives on purpose. I mean, there are times where I'll be assembling the word and, and be asking, God, I, I want that to be in my life. I don't want to, to make a career out of telling people how they need to do this and telling people how to do that. I, I, I want to pursue your word along with a congregation and see you by your spirit work wonderful things in our lives. Raise us up past the, the destructive immaturities and insecurities that hold us back and, and bring us into the, the powerful calling that you've called us to as, as the children of God on the earth. The force of the kingdom of heaven. I want these words to be real. I don't want it to be an academic exercise done out of religious obligation for 40 minutes on a Sunday morning. But I really want to see the Spirit of God do something in my mind and in my heart that helps me to keep my thoughts consistent and stable in agreement with His will, that He loves me, that He'll never leave me, He'll never forsake me, He'll always rescue me, and that He is always faithful to His word. And I want that for everyone. I want to pray and I want to ask God to do a work in our hearts this morning. And I want that work to have an effect on our mind, just like the word speaks of. And if you have any desire for those things to be a part of your life, then I encourage you just to be in a state of receiving through the prayer or, or a state of agreement. But there's no greater minister in the room than the Holy Spirit. There's no one that desires that ministry to take place more than your Heavenly Father. And there's no one who's made a way for that ministry in any greater way than Jesus Christ. I want to pray and I want to ask God for these things for us this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the call to function and operate as your children. That it wouldn't simply be a title, but that it would be a work, a transformation. That old things really would pass away and new things really would come. Let old ways of thinking that would be destructive and inferior, insecure, let those things pass away. And by your Spirit in our hearts, let an effect take place in our minds where new ways of thinking would be imparted, founded upon your will for our lives, founded upon your word that you have blessed us with, founded upon uh, your identity as our Father in the presence of the Holy Spirit to empower our actions founded upon the authority of our King Jesus to equip us with all that we would need to bring solution into any trial. Be honored and be glorified as we grow and we mature in our thinking and let stable thinking be the result as your work in our hearts takes place. We thank you that you have imparted to us the mind of Christ. Let it be embraced and celebrated, pursued, let it be indulged in every situation that we wouldn't be so quick to abandon the solutions that you have so richly blessed us with. And when the world is in the midst of panic, let them look to believers and see the stability that you have blessed us with. 
And let that be evangelistic. That the peace that surpasses all comprehension would be revealed to this world through our lives. We thank you and rejoice in you. And we celebrate what you've done, what you're doing, and what you're going to do in and through our lives for your glory. Once again, we say thank you in the mighty name of Jesus and all the saints declared, amen. amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.